What happened to the Texas doctrine on active shooters? And by the way, Texas embraces active shooter training, active shooter certification, and that, that, doc, that doctrine requires officers. We don't care what agency you're from. You don't have to have a leader on the scene. Every officer lines up, stacks up, goes and finds where those rounds are being fired at and keeps shooting until the subject is dead, period. What may have happened is that a politician, uh, brand new in his role, decided to uh, prevent the cops from going in. Will he face any discipline? Government workers usually don't. What's more disturbing to me about all of this is that the moment the murders happened, and in fact, while they were happening, we already knew the entire story. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile. Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Appreciate my brother, Zach Abraham, Bulwark Capital Management. We talked about this um, during our session Friday. And it's always good to have a brother who will pray with you. And I am obviously a believer in prayer. Because I'm a believer in God and and disciple of the Lord Jesus and lots of prayers this weekend. Of course, you won't believe the sounds. I don't even know if I'll end up playing the sounds, honestly, of these, these NRA protesters. It's just so utterly filthy. And sometimes I don't block language. Because I, 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 we can bleep it, but I want people to know the rage and the anger and the twisted nature uh, of people and how they become twisted and, and how the enemy has twisted them. Because the enemy cannot create. He has no ability for creativity. He, he cannot love. He has no ability to love. And so he twists and he gets people to hate one another instead of to hate the sin And still, I have had to (laughs) tamper my rage at what was allowed to go on in Texas. And my messages, my direct messages are filled with notes from cops. And cops who've become friends of mine over the years. And I'm I'm very, very thankful to have these friendships. Jiu-Jitsu Weasel is one such cop. He, He served in our military. And he talks about his, his reluctance to accept critiques from people like me who've never served in the military and I've never been under active fire. I, I was in a playground where, a guy was, or where gangsters were driving through the playground shooting out windows with a shotgun and my body and my soul said, hey, go rescue the kids. And I wasn't even aware of what I was doing and I just did it, but that doesn't make me uh, what, uh, you know, brave. This is um, what JT wrote me, Jiu-Jitsu Weasel. 
Spent most of my morning listening to podcasts, starting with yours and moving on to a couple of others. Jumped in my truck and headed up to get some mat time with my friends. Uh, he's a jiu-jitsu practitioner. On the way, I was listening to a bit more, and I just couldn't escape the continued discussion regarding how law enforcement officers who set up a perimeter were they're going rather than going in to save lives. Now, please understand, there's a little bit of resistance for me to hearing people who don't do the job criticize those who have done the job, but I understand it, I guess. Legally, police officers have no legal obligation to place their lives at risk for the public. This is already determined by the Supreme Court. However, for most of us, it is a moral decision. I was brought nearly to tears this morning listening to accounts of the behaviors of law enforcement officers on the scene of that Texas incident. I was appalled. I want to give fellow officers the benefit of the doubt, but this is one This one is really hard for me. I know that we can never judge our reaction in that sort of event until we've been there. I've never actually been there. Um, in my career, I've been toned out, dispatched to two potential active shooter events. The first one was an almost comical error, though the stress was very real. The second one turned out to be a murder-suicide in the parking lot of a high-value target, the victim of which later turned out to be a friend of mine. I never had to engage an enemy there, but I've honestly said that I was one of the first on the scene that I went through the door with my rifle in my hand. I did that because I've been trained to do that. And those are the risks I've accepted with my badge. Those are the risks I took when I acknowledged that there will always be the possibility I won't return home to my family so that someday someone else can. When I see what information I have about the officers in Texas and the way they responded, I am both um, anchored and saddened. I don't say that lightly, I don't like to sharpshoot for the officers, but then I look at what the culture has created for us. It's not just the fact that we've been demonized and used as scapegoats in a political agenda. Obviously, that has greatly influenced the hiring pool. But what many don't understand that this is the kind of policing that absurdly loud voices have screamed for. In this job, in this role, competence requires that we reach, uh, that, that we each be an alpha. We have to be hunters. We have to be apex predators. This is true in this evil world, and there's true evil in this world. I've looked it in the eye. There are many, most who haven't. Much of that because of the work that we have done. And as my people, my fellow law enforcement officers, take the blame and, and are scapegoated, the politicians and SJWs demand betas for, their, for this job. And the betas is what they get. And they get the weak. They get the, the weak who establish a perimeter rather than dress the fight. Now I know there's some conjuncture about a commander giving an order and so forth. I can say with every confidence that in every situation, my command staff would have been the first through the door. The only reason they would, um, they, they would stop is because they, they've treated us and given us the authority to make that decision on our own. But when you demand that your police officers and law enforcement agents and their command staff conduct themselves like betas, then this is what you get. And now those parents and those families and those officers and that command staff have to live with that decision. The one they should have been uh, made and called upon to make because they were not suited to make it. My heart breaks. My nearly daily prayers to God when I put on my gun and badge is that my life must be sold today, that it be sold at a greater price, that I leave this world as an honorable warrior. He hasn't called me to do that yet, but if he, the time should come, I pray that I'm up to the challenge and I pray that my life is not sold cheaply. It's from Jiu-Jitsu Weasel. He spoke of the way cops have been treated and how that can bring alphas into the force. That may be the case in Texas, but in fact, there's something else. A never been on the street police chief 
brand new to the city council played into this. We'll talk about that. But Jiu-Jitsu Weasel mentioned the alpha being alphas being not not run outs, but being recruited out of police forces. Well, the figurehead, Joe Biden, got to work uniting the country with just such appeals. Two summers ago, in the middle of the pandemic, we saw a protest across the nation, the likes of which you hadn't seen since the 1960s. They unified people of every race and generation. No, they didn't. They unified everybody of one political persuasion, and that is people who want to see no cops. That's who it unified. And people in the media who want to virtue signal because they're embarrassed of their wealth. That's who it unified. And people who are easily conned by communist organizers, which is Black Lives Matter Incorporated. What do we want? Dead cops. When do we want them? Now, if we can't get dead cops, what will we take? Beta cops. The story continued to change over the weekend. First, it was that they were dealing now uh, with a... uh, a barricaded subject. A wolf is that there was multiple officers that arrived on scene. There was three officers that arrived. They made entry um, at one of the entrances where the gunman actually made entrance to. We had other another four officers that made uh, entry at the other entrance of the school. So there was officers inside that school. As they were taking gunfire, they were also calling in for reinforcement, uh, backup, tactical teams, uh, snipers, any additional personnel that could arrive to assist to not only with to with the situation but also. To to assist in evacuating uh, students and teachers. At that time, that's when a U.S. Border Patrol uh, tactical officer arrived, also with a Zavala County Sheriff's deputy, as well as two additional uh, Uvalde Police Department officers were able to go into that classroom uh, with a ballistic shield as cover. And of course, we know that one of those officers, an agent actually was uh, was shot, uh, was grazed on the top of the head, but they were able to shoot and kill the suspect and pre- preserve any other life. We know that there was other injured children inside that classroom that they were able to save as well and get them to and get them to cover. And at that point, it became a recovery process. Right. At that point, almost an hour into it at that point. So why didn't they go in earlier? Oh, well, they didn't have the shields. Why didn't they have the shields? It's a small town. How far away were the shields? They couldn't, in fact, improvise. They they couldn't find any way to improvise. A a dad (laughs) ran from the barber and went and engaged and rescued people. And off this is from the Epic Times. An off-duty Border Patrol agent rushed into Robb Elementary School with a shotgun and rescued several dozen children and his daughter during a mass shooting on Tuesday after his wife sent him a text message. Jacob Alvarado told the New York Times he was getting a haircut when he received a message from his wife, a fourth grade teacher at the school in Uvalde. There's an active shooter, she wrote. Help, she sent. I love you. Alvarado said he got out of his seat and took the barber's shotgun to the school. His daughter, who went to the school, was locked inside a bathroom while his wife hid underneath the desk with the students, he told the outlet. He went through and did what men who are what JT calls apex predators, alpha males do. 
Uh, Barado said he entered the school where his daughter was located before clearing all the classes in her wing. He told the paper, I did what I was trained to do. He recalled that two police officers with guns drawn provided cover to him while other officers led uh, led children uh, and teachers to the sidewalk. So there's the alpha male. There's the apex predator that JT talked about. Now, I fear that there's a bunch of Texas cops who were held back by an absolute cowardly decision with, with no street cred. And if that's the case, we're going to begin to hear from these officers. But bosses, cop bosses, said things that, that on the front of it, yes, it's true, but it's always true about being a cop. The active shooter situation, you want to stop the killing, you want to preserve life. But also, one thing that, of course, the American people need to understand is that officers are making entry into this building. Uh, they do not know where the gunman is. Uh, they are hearing gunshots. They are they are receiving gunshots. At that point, if they if they proceeded any further, not knowing where this suspect was at, um, they could have been shot. They could have been killed. They could have been. And yet there is the Texas doctrine. Officer Stephen McGraw talked about the Texas doctrine. And by the way, Texas embraces active shooter training, active shooter certification. And that, that, doc, that doctrine requires officers. We don't care what agency you're from. You don't have to have a leader on the scene. Every officer lines up, stacks up, goes and finds where those rounds are being fired at and keeps shooting until the subject is dead, period. Well, that didn't happen. And it might be that it didn't happen because if yet another, or what happens, it was described in yet another news report. And this comes from the foreign press. This comes from the Daily Mail. This is at least where I got it first. Uvalde School District Police Chief Pete Ardondo ordered cops to not engage the Texas gunman. So what's his CV, his curriculum vital, his resume? No, he's a former 911 dispatcher. This is them describing him as having an unremarkable career. That's what they say. Oh, oh, he was elected to the city council just days before the massacre. Huh. So was it a cop or a bunch of cops who didn't go in? Or was it a politician? Who said don't engage? Someone who's never been on the streets. I've never been on the streets. I'm not here to say I have. JT has. A note from Kevin, also a law enforcement officer. Todd, if command told 40 cops to stand by while kids were being murdered, 40 cops should have said to command... We have no confidence in you. Stand aside. We're going in. There's worse things than losing your job, such as being forced to stand by while kids are murdered. I'm ashamed of what happened in this force. And if cops were told to stand down, they need to speak out now. Voices of cops are going to be heard on this. They better be heard. The Texas Department of Public Safety head 
slammed Arundondo. And this is the guy, apparently he gets to wear badges. This is part of his statement talking about the 40-minute delay. There's a 40-minute gap. And if the 911 operators were aware that, that children were alive in that classroom, why weren't officers? Well, they were. Calls continued while the cops were standing, either being told to stand and choosing to obey that immoral order. Or themselves, all of them deciding not to go in. I find it unbelievable, frankly, that 40 men who chose to be cops all this all agreed to not go in. I find that I find that almost impossible to believe. But to follow an order like that, the calls came in through 911 throughout the event. I don't know that they ever stopped. A woman who is really, really upset with me for critiquing the cops in this manner on Twitter, but being very polite about it, very, very classy, says that, hey, 911 calls doesn't mean that cops are aware of it. That just goes to an operator. It doesn't go to dispatch. Fair enough. Was notified of that, and if that's the case, why didn't they take action? That's the question. And again, the, I'll go back to the answer for right now, is that, that it was considered, okay, the decision was made on the scene. I wasn't there. But at the same point in time, you know, a decision was made that this was a barricaded subject situation. There was time to retrieve the keys. Okay, let's stop there. Number one, it doesn't matter that you weren't there, uh, Texas Department of Public Safety head Stephen McGraw. You don't get to do that. You don't get to pass bucks. If your job is to run the safety of the schools, that then stops with you. Please accept responsibility. Greg Abbott is also saying, governor of Texas is also saying he was misinformed as to what the response was. He was told apparently cops went straight in. But to that statement of, well, we had time to get the keys. No, you didn't. Even if the suspect was now barricaded, there could be kids not yet dead. There could be teachers not yet dead. Barricaded subject could go back, could decide to go back. He could hear someone moan. He could hear someone trying to crawl away and go back and kill them. (laughs) There was no time to wait. And wait for a tactical team with the equipment to to go ahead and breach the door and take on the subject at that point. That was the decision. That was the thought process at that particular point in time. What can you tell parents who are asking for the police yeah, to go 19, in? What can you tell parents who are asking for the police to go in? Like I said, there was 19 officers in there. In fact, there was plenty of officers to do whatever needed to be done, with one exception, is that the, the incident commander inside believed they needed more equipment and more officers to do a tactical breach at that point. That's why BORTAC was requested on the scene as soon as they were there. They executed a search, or at least a, a dynamic entry, and went in. And, uh, of course, that was not until 12, that was not until 1257. Hey, with the benefit of hindsight, hey, the benefit of, hey, stand by, stand by, hey, stand by, hey, stand by, all right? I got it. I got, I got it. Okay. Hey, from the from the benefit of hindsight, where I'm sitting now, the, of course it was not the right decision. It was the wrong decision. Period. There's no no excuse for that. But again, I wasn't there. But I'm just telling you, from what we know, 
we believe there should have been a, an entry at that as soon as you can. Hey, when there's an active shooter, the, the rules change. It's no longer, okay, it's no longer a barricaded system. You don't have time. You don't worry about outer perimeters. And by the way, Texas embraces active shooter training, active shooter certification, and that, that, doc, that doctrine requires officers. We don't care what agency you're from. You don't have to have a leader on the scene. Every officer lines up, stacks up, goes and finds where those rounds are being fired at and keeps shooting until the subject is dead, period. So there's so much more to this, uh, including what's been done in California, just adjacent to this event, and about safety in schools there. And of course, every misstep that led up to this, just absolute negligence. Man, it's, uh, it's, it's so difficult uh, these days to really think about uh, all the pieces of the pie of our lives that need to come together. And, and it's so helpful to turn it to the Lord. We do have the blessing of, on this program, financial partners who um, are, well, first of all, support us financially, but only because they get to meet you. And because it is a win-win, they've ended up doing business with a lot of us. Wherever I can, uh, I purchase the products that, that we talk about here. When we refinance the house, it's going to be uh, American Financing and AmericanFinancing.net. Or if we buy more property, it's going to be through those guys. And to put the pieces together, like one of the pieces that will hang over your head, maybe this happens to you. Do you ever wake up with finances in your mind? Right. And, and part of that is we need to be able to turn that to the Lord. But if you're consistently waking up with finances on your mind, if you're a homeowner and you're paying a mortgage, hey, give yourself this this possible break. And it's it's absolutely risk free to you. Call American Financing and talk about a cash out refinance. If it's bills you need to pay down or you've got a loved one that's going to come to live with you, you need to expand or you, you just need the money or you want to save money on a mortgage. Uh, they are consistently saving people a thousand bucks a month on their mortgage. And I don't need to do the math again, do I? 10 years, 120 grand, 20 years, 240 grand. And if you invest it, it'll be far more than that if you do wise investing. And the company American Financing and AmericanFinancing.net, they can get these deals done in as little day, in as little as 10 days. And if you need money to fund a large expense, like look at your home, paying off debt, that's a, that's a possibility. You can get a free mortgage review and, and they'll do that. You're going to talk to a salary-based expert. Why does that matter? Because with no commissions, they get paid whether you do the deal or not. Their job is not to sell, is to advise. Already, they've told three friends of mine. Two of my friends said, they said, hey, you're, you're good, man. You are sitting solid in your mortgage. Not much we can do for you. Another one of my friends, I said, hey, absolutely, we can save you money. And a, and a good deal of people who listen to this program, part of the listener family, have done business now with American Financing and AmericanFinancing.net. They were with Rush Limbaugh for a decade. God rest Rush. That says a whole bunch. Here's how to get in touch. It's 866-887-2275. Get the peace of mind. Find out if you can save this money. And if you can, get the money and peace of mind. 866-887-2275 or visit AmericanFinancing.net. NMLS 182334, There is in this event in Texas, and I just want to go back through a little bit of regression analysis. Let's just start with, let's get right up to the shooting. The door was left open. There was no alarm. 
There are alarm systems you can install on your own that will beep if a door is open. For 19 bucks, that door could have had such an alarm. 19 bucks. It was apparently a teacher who wedged the door open minutes before the murderer, or pardon me, alleged murderer, crashed his truck into the ditch. There was no school safety officer on the scene who could have, in fact, been informed, hey, a guy just crashed his truck into a ditch and is walking towards the school, which I understand that walk took about nine minutes. And looks like he's got a rifle. That from, from that, stepping back, this was a young man who cut himself on his face, on his face continually. Took boxing gloves into the public to ask people to fight him. Threatened to rape people, rape women on social media and understand elsewhere. Was called, there's a social platform called Yubo or Yuba. And he was called the Yuba school shooter on that platform because the people who use that platform said, this guy's going to shoot up a school. He was from a fatherless household. There are news reports indicating that his mother is a drug addict. His mother is quoted as saying by the gateway pundit, he had a reason for doing what he did. Don't judge him. He didn't live with his primary parents. He lived with his grandma and grandpa. He posted videos of himself being kicked out of the house and threatening his grandma. He posted the videos. This is a young man who was screaming for help, but he was too much of a young man to say, hey, I think I'm going to crack and I need help. Because most young men will never say that. It's a scary thing for most young men to try to secure a friendship. I mean, if you overtly have to say, hey, would you like to get together sometime? It's scary for men to do that as older men. Took me a month to ask a dude my age at the gym, hey, you want to go outside the gym sometime? We talk in here. Why don't we go running sometime together? We did. It was great. That's, that's Dudeville. And you can wind this all the way back into whatever core trauma twisted this kid and invited the enemy to whisper in his ear. We can talk about the video game addiction. We can talk about this. The New York Times reported that people described this kid as having smoked a lot of cannabis. And then the New York Times dropped that from their article. They, they disappeared that portion of their article because the New York Times had to remind themselves, oh, no, 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 wait, we, we are owned by Big Pharma. Big Pharma might not be making a bunch of money out of pot, but they're making a bunch of money off of the pills that take, people take to, to, to tamp down on the anxiety and psychoses that a whole bunch of pot use can create in them. And, hey, we're pro-legalization. We're pro Drop that from the article. So in regression analysis, the cops never should have been put in this position. The kid never should have been, the, the, the young man never should have been allowed to make that nine minute walk. That walk should have stopped at two minutes 
when security personnel look at a camera and go, oh, look at that. There's a guy with a rifle walking towards the school. He should have been put on notice then. Stop, drop the gun. Police, stop, drop the gun. And then they could shoot from a barricaded position if he chose not to drop the gun or open fire, as he probably would have. So the cops never should have been put into this position. But this is government. No one pays a cost. Now, factually speaking, of course, the souls of the people who made those decisions are being tortured. If they have any humanity, and I'm sure they all do. That teacher who wedged the door open, I'm in prayer for him or her. Unless it turns out that they were in concert with the, the murderer, which is so unbelievably unlikely. My prayers are with the school resource officer who wasn't there. Or the cops who were told to wait in the hallway or the social worker who should have done something. Your job is to reach out to troubled kids and this kid was so plainly troubled. And of course, I'm certain he had no, absolutely no influence of the Lord Almighty in his life. He had no opportunity to build an adjunct family. Well, he had opportunities, but it was never probably offered to him by adults of a church community of some place that's not video games and not smoking pot all day. And in fact, being in a place where you can get structured friendships since you're having trouble connecting with others or breaking down, why is it you have a trouble connecting with others? Well, probably because you're isolated and you haven't practiced. Probably because you come from a background of drug addiction and you may well have had fetal alcohol syndrome. There's a whole, a whole host of reasons that may be the case. None of that excuses what he did and what he chose to do. In California, in, in, in the communist state of California, Senator... Melissa Menendez, a California senator, writes on Twitter, just two days after the devastating murder of 19 children in Texas and two adults, the California State Senate passed SB 1273, which would remove the requirement of schools to notify law enforcement when a student makes a threat against the school. But it's the NRA they're protesting. And the language in this? is awful. It's the NRA they're protesting. It's not a decision to do nothing to help this child. It's not the overproliferation of pot, cannabis. It's not the glamorization of video of killing through video games. It's not a school district that a kid came to school with his face cut and no one did anything. It's not any of those things. It's not the open door. No, it's just your weapon. It's just a group that lobbies for the Second Amendment. They're the great evil. And sorry for the language, but that's the psychosis into which people have been driven by the enemy to hate one another. Instead of to go back and you know what was absent here? Love was absent. 
I'll have you hear Senator Menendez speaking from the Senate floor about this bill and some of her colleagues in the California Senate about this bill that removes the requirements that they report to cops, threats in schools. And hey, maybe that's a way to try to stop kids having to deal with cops if they chew a piece of toast into the shape of a gun. But there is such a thing as discernment. You'll hear that in just a second. Oh, plus Mitch McConnell has a plan. Mitch McConnell has a plan. Hey guys, I am so thankful for the emails you're sending me about how you've engaged with the partners of this program. I have the third straight email and I will get back to people. I will. I started this weekend, finally getting back on the returning emails. I'm so blessed with so many messages from you. Um, third straight email from someone who has engaged with, with look, three out of what, five of our partners. Um, and that is such a blessing for us. In this case, it's soda weight loss. This topic comes up perhaps more than any other. And this weekend, it came up with someone who wants to bring it up to a friend. So I was, yeah, I know. Guess where I was? A gym. Imagine that. I I was in the gym and there's a woman there who knows who I am through the radio show and then through the podcast. And we found out later that we actually went to school together two years apart so I, I never really got to meet her, but we, we went to the same school. And she pulled me aside and said, hey, can I ask you a question about soda weight loss? I said, absolutely. She goes, how do you bring this up with friends? Oh, wow, that's tough. I mean, how do you bring up dropping unwanted fat to friends? She goes, I just don't want to offend anybody. She said, so why are you doing this? Why, why, why? Well, and she said, look, I have a very close friend I've known all through college. And she just continues to make statements about herself that, well, you know, this doesn't fit because I've gotten so fat and this doesn't fit. And, and, oh, I'd like to go dancing, but I've just gotten so fat. And she said, I just, I look, I don't want to validate that you shouldn't like yourself if you put on extra weight. I said, hey, can I, can I suggest you something? Are we friends? She goes, yeah, I'd like to think we're friends. I said, I do too. So Julie, I'm telling you as a friend, not not as a podcast host, as a friend, soda weight loss is is no judgment zone. They're healthcare providers by background. Soda weight loss are scientists. They are. The way they operate, they tell people, we want you to drop this much fat per week because in that way, it's, it's so unlikely to come back. They take care of the food, the decisions. If you have an event like Independence Day is coming up and there's going to be hot diggity dogs and pie and you know you're going to want to eat hot diggity dogs and pie and potato chips, you tell your nutritionist, hey, I've got a day coming up where I want to be able to eat. They'll work with you. They'll work with you. So, Julie, as your friend, I am saying I'm concerned about your friend I've not yet met and her state of mind about herself. There's two ways to approach it. She could go to counseling and get okay with her body as it exists or... She could, in fact, change her body. She can drop the unwanted fat. I, as your friend, am suggesting soda weight loss. My wife is on it. Ten now straight weeks of progress. Ten straight weeks. It's sodaweightloss.com. I stand by the protocol, the performance, the reviews. They're the very, very best at this. Sodaweightloss.com. So here's this discussion in the California state legislature about removing the requirements that uh, that schools call the cops when a student makes an overt threat or brings a weapon to school. Ladies and gentlemen, I rise in strong opposition to this bill um, as a parent 
this is a terrifying policy to me, who, has, who still has children in school, and I will tell you why. This bill um, isn't just about not referring to law enforcement children who willfully disrupt a meeting. It is also a bill that no longer requires schools to notify law enforcement if a student attacks or assaults someone on campus or makes a threat on campus. But it is one thing to be disruptive in your class, not intending to use anything that you may have in your locker, on your person, in your book bag. It is another thing to have a weapon that you intend to use. Because we have laws that mandate no matter what the circumstances are, that law enforcement has to get involved. And is that really the right thing to do? I don't know if people feel that it is also the responsibility of teachers or administrators to protect children. Hey, this guy here is a state senator in California who has worked with Gavin Newsom to make it legal for adults to receive sexual gratification as they sodomize young people. The rise in support of SB um, 1273, this is about not automatically uh, uh, doing it because there are situations where you should call the police, situations where you shouldn't, uh, and schools should have that flexibility. But not with masks. Not with lockdowns. Not with pronouns. Not with teaching pornographic, perverse, so-called sex ed. Not with teaching Black Lives Matter Incorporated. No, I shouldn't have those rights. Not with teaching the history of, of, of the Christian faith. But, but... Schools requiring kids to do Muslim prayers during the day, as has happened in, in California, or praying not just to, to, um, to the false god Muhammad, but, but praying to Baal. No, I'm not kidding. There, there was a school in California that, that had kids praying to Aztec gods that seemed very much like Baal from the old Bible days. Yeah, but they, they shouldn't, but they, they should have this choice. Well, at least we can count on the Republicans. We, we can count on them. No greater love hath man than to lay down his life for his brother or sister, for his neighbor, for his friend. Various translations. The point being, no greater love hath man than to lay down his life for another. There were cops who were either unwilling to do that or were told that they don't get to do that. It didn't stop men from deciding to do it and doing it very successfully, three or four of them, going in and ending this. Mitch McConnell is not even willing to lay down an election to save lives. And if you think, if well, I, in this audience, I think it's unlikely there's anyone out there who thinks that the Democrats give a stinking hoot about children. I'm sorry, when you are saying, yeah, shove scissors into the back of the head of a nine-month-old kid, that's an abortion. No, that's murder. Well, abortion is, but it's, 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 it's materially different, not to me, but to most people it is. It's a born child. 
You don't get to come and then then virtue signal about shootings. If you're not going to ban the scissors, you don't get to talk about banning the guns. This is the game the party plays. They pretend to think that 150 150 million Americans are going to hand over their guns. They pretend to think that if they pass a law saying, everybody turn in your uh, your, your magazines, 10 rounds or more, that a bunch of us are going to go, okay, on it. Uh, where should I bring them? That's, that's not going to happen. There'll be a small percentage of gun owners who do that. And of course, the cartels aren't going to do that. And would-be mass shooters aren't going to do that. We, You know the script as well as I know the script. And Democrats understand this. They, oh, there's plenty of them like Eric Solwell who would love the opportunity to kick in doors because he hates his political opponents. The people who run Joe Biden are begging for violence. They want violence. Just not this way, they say. No, they prefer it the Chicago way or where they can pin it on white supremacy. I'm surprised this kid hasn't yet been found to have been white Hispanic. It's a game the party plays. And Mitch McConnell is a creature of the game. He knows that the Democrats intend to fundraise and do election turnout based upon this shooting, which comes courtesy of big, flaccid, impotent government. Has all the power in the world to force people to wear woke masks. Doesn't have the least bit of power to install a $19 alarm on a school door in Texas. The mighty, mighty government. Mitch McConnell has a plan. He's gone, he's gone to John Cornyn with a plan. We'll talk about that, plus how this is being viewed globally. I loved this conversation um, on talk radio. That's such a cool name. I can't believe someone gets to call it that in Britain. It's a uh, former radio show, now a TV show there. And this caller, it's going to drive you crazy, but the hosts so go after her. It's a thing of beauty. I'll give you McConnell's plan. Did you already guess what it is, by the way? So I think uh, this past weekend, I was in California, uh, the separate country of California. And and good, good Lord in heaven. Uh, the Santa Cruz area. Oh, been there before. Capistrano. I mean, it, there's, there's a reason people love that place and the weather. And someday I'll get the, the opportunity to tell you what the meeting was about. But man, what a meeting. <laughs> so I, I made my hotel reservations late. I ended up paying an arm and a leg. I, it's a long story. It's why I, I waited that long. I feel it was justified. So imagine the scene when I go downstairs and this is in, in like I say, Santa Cruz, California, and I'm grabbing breakfast and I bring my own coffee, a bone frog coffee. And I pull the bag out and I say to the waitress, can I get this, um, get this coffee instead? Do you have a French press? She says, what is this? I said, oh, it's, it's bone frog coffee and I explained, you know, this is the iconic image of the Navy SEALs. She goes, you know that they train out here. I said, I know. Didn't your governor say no? Didn't they get to do that? She goes, no, he didn't. And I realized, oh my gosh, I'm in California. There's, there's at least a military supporting woman here. She goes, no, he didn't. I said, I'd heard that they said they couldn't, they couldn't train out here and, and up in uh, around Mount Tamapias up by San Francisco. She's no way. Well, that's what I heard. So I showed her the bag. It says God country team. And we then, we, we, she brought out the French press, made the coffee and I'm drinking it. And, and she came and checked on, is everything okay? I said, you should try the coffee. And she goes, oh, I'll get in such trouble. 
really? You're going to get in trouble if you try bone frog coffee? She, and she looked around. She goes, really? I said, yeah, of course. Or have a drink. She drank the coffee. She says, this is fantastic. And I told her about Tim Cruikshank, the founder and CEO, 25-year Navy veteran and a Navy SEAL. And I gave her the, the heads up that if she listens to my podcast like you, she can get 5% lifetime discount on Bonefrog subscriptions, bonefrog.us. But I wouldn't give her the web address. I said, oh, you can buy it there or you could listen to my podcast. And she said, what's your podcast about? I said, God at the center, politics at the edges. By the way, I'm very conservative. And she looked around and she said, oh, so am I. We're everywhere. Bonefrog.us. 5% off subscription plans, bonefrog.us. Mitch McConnell's got himself a plan, everybody. Mitchell McConnell has told Johnny Cornyn to get to work with Democrats on a gun control bill. Lauren Fox reports this on Twitter, reprinted in the Citizens Free Press. Congressional correspondent with CNN. News. Mitch McConnell tells me this morning with Texas Senator John Cornyn after he returned from Texas and encouraged him to begin discussions with Democrats, including Senators Murphy and Sinem, to see if they can find consensus on some legislation to respond to the shooting in Texas. Uh, I'm encouraged to talk to Sinema uh, Murphy. Uh, others are interested in trying to get to an outcome which uh, direct, 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 directly related to the problem, McConnell said. I'm hopeful we could come up with bipartisan solutions directly related to, to the, the facts of this awful massacre. Uh, I'm going to start having a conversation again with colleagues on both sides of the aisle. Uh, if there's a chance for us to do something to help make it better for the kids in this country, we owe it to the country uh, to do it for real. Not, 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 not just talking points. Okay, so he didn't say gun control. Mitch, if you even float gun control, you're a liar. If Mitchell, Mitchell, sit down for a second, sir, Senator. If you even float gun control, you're a liar. The missteps and the decisions not to act that we have detailed on this program that all of us knew had already occurred the day the shootings came out. Well, the, the day the shooting was happening, we already knew the full story. How is that, Mitchell? Because this is the America the party has created and is metastasizing. And if we went back to the good old-fashioned Bible, love thy neighbor as thyself. As you do to the least of these, so do you do to me. Do not be conformed, transformed by this world. Do not conform to it. Be transformed. Be transformed as a new being. Seek wise counsel. If we just understood where we're at in this fallen world. But understand that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good. If we would just went back to those principles, so much of this could be addressed. It doesn't, there's no magic pill. There's not a Jesus switch. That's not what he said. But making us holy in heart 
that is holy in heart, not just justified as holy through the grace of God, but in fact, becoming people who act in holy ways, we would see a child like this who cuts his face and you'd have two or three men say, hey man, what's going on? I see you cut your face, man, that's a sharp knife. Like you like knives? Hey, let's go, look, I'll show you my knife collection. Come with me and I'll show you what a man's knife collection looks like. Oh, you like to shoot? Come shooting with me. And when you take the young man out shooting, you talk to him about the Lord Jesus. And you talk to him about gun safety and how real men treat their weapons. And you say, you're now hanging out with real men. This is how we treat our weapons. And as the kid's illness, mental illness becomes, to, you know, comes to the fore, you as a strong man are saying, hey, you know what? Being strong sometimes means seeking help. Will you come with me to my pastor? Because we've got some mental health people on staff and man, I've had to go and, and I've struggled depression. And you could see the change that could have occurred in this kid and the 19 people who would be alive today. But Mitch McConnell wants to talk gun control. Hey, Mitchell, there's nothing the federal government can do aside from lock the doors. Fund school resource officers, which isn't even the job of the federal government. But maybe you could cancel that payment to Ukraine of the money you conjured. If the federal government must be involved, maybe we could start to take care of our own first, Mitchell, since we're a debtor nation. This is from Britain. I love the way they handle this caller. They're talking about America and guns and one of the hosts really seems to get this. And it really seems to understand where we come from in terms of owning guns. This is a brief clip of a longer conversation. Because it's important to them. The right to bear arms uh, is in the American DNA. It's a symbol of the power of the individual over the sovereignty of the state. Because they can't speak like No, no, no. It's because they they believe, no, because in America, no, in America, they believe the individual is sovereign over the state. The individual is more powerful than the state and the right to own a gun is symbolic of that. I get it. There is a clip of the longer discussion, which I think you'll enjoy in the show sheet. Also, uh, links to what McConnell said. So much of the audio today. (sighs) I've watched it time and again. Men run into gunshots. You have two. I watched my grandpa drive up into a forest fire. I know because I was with him. No greater love has man than to lay down his life for his own friends. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and be mindful. Let's not fear those who can kill the body. Let's not fear events that can kill the body. If we are to fear, let us fear the one who can condemn the soul. But let us also love the one who promises to redeem the soul if we will turn to him.